We interrupt this message. Mama said be days like this. Come on, sing along if you know it. Come on. I know you know it. Who has never heard this song? You need to listen to some oldies every so often. You got to get this goodness in you. So, oh, Gwen, you were just getting over here to, to dig it. I'm, I apologize. We had to cut it. So, but that song, Mama Said, is the Mother's Day truth today. Um, Mama Said, there'll be days like this. Uh, we are in a series called Things Jesus Never Said, if you didn't catch that. And uh, sometimes we have to look, instead of what looking at what Jesus did say, to get the full impact and weight and power and otherworldliness of what he did say, we have to look at what he didn't say, what we, he could have said or what I might have said, but instead, what he didn't say brings bigger impact. And so, um, today is a Mother's Day edition. I saved this because... Um, the title of this message is called, You Won't Have Bad Days. You won't have bad days. Jesus never said, you won't have bad days. And in fact, that was one of the truths that um, my mom shared with me very early on is, you're going to have some days. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> All right. Uh, and so, um, this week, well, most weeks, I office often out of a, a coffee shop. And uh, when you visit the same coffee shops frequently, you start developing friendships with other uh, people who also office out of said coffee shops or just have an addiction problem and are there way too often. Um, and, uh, and so I, I have made friends with a, a gentleman at one of the local coffee shops, and he calls me Preacher Man. Um, and uh, at sometimes... He calls me pastor, although he's never heard me preach, so, you know, uh, anyway. Um, but he, uh, you know, on, on the first encounter, you know, we, we struck up a friendship, and then over time he figured out that I was a pastor and, and then started calling me preacher man. And, um, and his phrase to me was, hey, preacher man, I don't want to hear any of that Jesus stuff. And I thought, fair enough. I'm just wondering why wouldn't you want to hear any of the Jesus stuff? Do you have something against it? And, and, and he said, well, you know, I, I tried the Jesus thing, and it didn't work. And so that leads me to, like, a whole host of other curiosity questions, right? Because that's my personality. He's like, hey, uh, so how exactly did you try the Jesus thing, and what exactly about it didn't work for you? And, well, you know, and, and this part is so great. I'm not making this up. I went to church for, like, three months, Okay, cool. And uh, during that three months, my girlfriend broke up with me. I lost my job, and my house flooded. And I'm like, all you need is the dog ran away, and we got ourselves a country song. <laughs> and, and, and I thought, okay, all right. I mean, three months, and, and, and some things happened in your life, and 
Well, sometimes things happen. Jesus didn't ever say you won't have bad days. And so um, in keeping in line with the previous weeks, we're going to have a little fun with things that Jesus didn't say. And so we have them on the screen here for you. But we'll just, whoever, Jesus never ever said, whoever does the will of my Father will always get the best parking spots. You be rolling up to Target, oh, praise Jesus, we got this first spot. Jesus didn't say you would have the best parking spot. Jesus never ever said, if you lose your life for my sake, you will always look good in that swimsuit. Uh, by the way, summertime is coming, y'all. Um, and so, uh, or, or this one, you know, this one's maybe bigger, uh, more important for some of our younger audience, but, you know, older audience too, no, no problem. Uh, Jesus never ever said, thankfully, but seek first the kingdom of God and you will never get a zit before prom. Um, we've been watching Pimple Popper at my house and the question is to pop or not, right? Or, or do you, you know, relationship goals, hashtag, you know, when you let someone else pop for you. Oh, okay. All right. That's too far, too far. Um, you know what? Here's the thing, guys. Jesus never said, he never promised that we would be healthy, wealthy, and thin. He never promised that we would keep all of our hair, that we'd never be turned down for a date, that we wouldn't get blemishes before big events, that we'd never, uh, you know, that we'd always land the job, that our spouse would never had a headache when we're in the mood. None of that would happen. No, he never said those things, right? So we're going to look at a truth about what he did say. And uh, we're going to be looking at a passage in John chapter 16. And to give you a little bit of context for what Jesus is about to say, he's sitting with his disciples, his followers at dinner, and he's telling them that he's going away, that he's headed towards his death. And along the way, he kind of gives them this final instruction and prayer. And so it's into that final instruction preparing the disciples for their mission that we're going to jump in. And if you want to follow along, uh, the notes are going to be on the screen, but they're also at wayfinders.info. You can actually write out notes and save them for yourself uh, later. Just click on uh, the message notes in Kyle community. Uh, so John chapter 16, starting right at verse 20. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Everybody say the world. Say that again. Everybody say the world. In the next kind of few passages of the next two chapters, Jesus uses the world 19 times. 19 times, and he contrasts it. He, he says things like, peace I give to you, but I don't give peace like the world gives peace. He, he says, I came from the Father to the world, and now I'm leaving the world to head back to the Father. He said, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, you would be loved as its own, but you don't. You've chosen to be out of this world, so when the world hates you. He even prayed for us. He said, 
Don't take us out of the world, but protect us in the world, because you and I, though we are in the world, we are not of the world. And so he continues, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You're going to have weeping and mourning. You're going to have bad days. When I die, you're going to cry. You will grieve, but listen to this promise. Your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets anguish because of her joy that a child is born into this world. Now, Holly's here, so I have full immunity. Um, we didn't have traditional childbirths, um, not because we don't have traditional children, but because uh, all our children were breached. So we had C-sections, so we didn't have the anguish of the birth itself. Um, but when we were pregnant with the last one, I think Holly had forgotten how hard pregnancy was on her. You know, some women, pregnancy is very easy for them, and some women it's not. And pregnancy is rough on Holly. But she forgot because the children, once they arrive, bring so much joy. My sister is a labor and delivery nurse, and she says there's this really big trend for ladies to have uh, babies all natural. Now, I am not a woman, and I have never carried a baby, but I am just saying, if the choice was all natural or drugs to remove all feeling and pain, take the drugs, right? And, and so my sister describes these scenes of these ladies that are trying to be super women, and then they get past the point of no return, and then it's, you did this to me, you know, and like the I'm done face that you see on the movie. She's like, that's real. She's like, I'm surprised more women don't just start beating men during this thing. And, and I'm like, take the drugs. But they, you know what? I guarantee that as soon as that mom is carrying their baby in their arms and holding them close, as soon as your mom held you close, the thought there wasn't, this pain isn't worth it. All the pain is forgotten. So it is with you, verse 22. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And we can stand on this promise. And no one will take away your joy. Jesus is talking about bad days, but a lasting joy through all of it. Verse 33 of, of this passage is really key for us, and it says this. I have told you these things, so I explained all of this. I, I've been talking to you about my death and where everything is headed, so that in me, everybody say, in Christ, you may have peace in this world now, here's where Jesus didn't say, in this world, you got this. Hey, he didn't say, you're going to crush it. 
He didn't say, own it. He didn't say, you go, girl. He didn't say the wind would always fill your sails or you would always get the parking spot or that your Wi-Fi would never buffer in the middle of a Netflix binge or drop signal. He didn't say that, um, you know, your girlfriend would never break up with you or you'd never lose your job or your plumbing wouldn't flood your house. He didn't say those things. No, what did he say? In this world you will have trouble. Pain is a promise. Struggle is certain. Suffering in this world of some sort of another is inevitable. Welcome to Wayfinders Church, where we make you feel good about yourselves. <laughs> We're not promised a pain-free life. And so what we know is that all of us will have pain, troubles, tragedy, and difficulty. And some of us, I know, some of us are in the middle of a difficult season. Whether we feel left out or overlooked, whether we feel rejected or all alone, whether we've lost our confidence, or where I know... Some of us are battling depression and we're anxious about something. Maybe we've just received bad news. Maybe the financial struggle and the weight of that financial struggle every month is just pounding and relenting. Maybe there is a health challenge that we don't see the thing on the other side of that health challenge and it's all consuming of all of our energy. Maybe there's a relationship that is in shambles. Maybe it is a work challenge. I don't know what it is, but I know that pressure can feel unbearable. And, and there's oftentimes where I feel there's, there's, there's more than I can humanly possibly handle and take care of. And it leaves people, including myself, feeling afraid, hurting, overwhelmed, isolated, and like no one understands. Maybe you find yourself or you have a friend that is at the same space that coffee shop guy was at. I tried Jesus, but where was God in the midst of that brokenness? Where was God in the midst of that pain? Where was God in the wall that I just hit, in the resistance that I am facing? There's got to be something. If pain is inevitable, there's got to be some sort of purpose in this, right? And so I, I want to look at two truths with you about things that we experience in trouble, trials, and hardships. And the first is this. In troubles, trials, and hardships, it proves your faith. It reveals a depth of faith. Let me give you an idea here. Um, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, who, um, by the way, who denied Jesus publicly, um, he writes something absolutely in amaz amazing in his epistle. And he writes this into a situation that I think is unthinkable because he's writing it around the time 
where um, uh, Jesus followers and the early church were extremely persecuted. I had opportunity to share a little bit of church history this week with a, a little class and seminar that I led, and it was a lot of fun, but extremely persecuted Jesus followers. Around 60 AD, the evil emperor Nero of Rome decided that he would seek out and destroy and persecute Christians. And to give you an idea just of some of the travesties that befell these guys, um, they would take Christian people and they would um, de-skin animals, like deer and bear and, and whatever else. They would de-skin the animals, and they would take those skins, and they would leave some of the meat in them and make sure they were soaked with a good animal scent, and they would sew up the Christians alive in the skins and they would throw them out into the middle of this arena, and they would throw massive parties and release wild, rabid dogs to eat them for entertainment. When they threw parties at their summer palace, Nero would um, dip Christians alive in hot wax that would melt on their body and tie them around trees and light those trees and those people on fire as human candles so they could party at night amidst the screaming. It's into that sort of situation that Peter writes this, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Now think about the magnitude of that statement. The trials that we face for a little while, there's wonderful joy on the other side of them, and they show that our faith is genuine. One of the things that this makes me think is if there is a genuine faith, then there must be a counterfeit faith. And the reason why I know this to be true is because I grew up in a Christian household. My parents' faith was genuine, very genuine. But as a kid growing up in church, I learned how to play the game. I knew when to sit up and when to sit down. Back then, we had pews in these songbooks called hymnals. I knew where to flip and how to sing the song and even do the little extra word harmony part. If you've been in church for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, please understand what I'm saying is you can know all the things to say and do and not have your heart and the roots of faith going deep to where your life is transformed. You can be going through the motions and it be a counterfeit faith. And I'm convinced that in our culture, we have a lot of people who culturally say they're following Christ. And my heart is broken because I don't see the fruit in lives. And we know this to be true for ourselves, and we're very willing to call it out for other people. But if you're willing to call it out for other people, you better be examining, are your roots growing deep? And I'm convinced it's a real problem. And so Peter says that it's into this situation 
where we face trials that we get proved in our faith. As a pastor, people do weird things with me. Um, sometimes people stop talking to me the moment that they hear I'm a pastor, and other times they just start confessing things, which I find um, some, sometimes, you know, fun, and other times I'm like, hey, this is not the right place. You know, could you call me? Um, you know, I'm just trying to order. Thanks for being my waiter. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, and I just, I remember this one um, time where I was sitting at a restaurant, and the, and the waiter came and said, oh, you're a pastor. Well, I go to church, and and I asked him, what church? You know, I'm just trying to be polite. And, and he comes, well, I go to such and such church. and It's up in Austin. I'm like, oh, cool. That sounds like a great church. And then he comes back. He goes, I lied. I, I mean, I do go to that church, but I haven't been in months. And he goes, dang it, that's not true either. I, I haven't been in like a couple years. To be honest with you, I, I was going to church, and, and, and then my parents' relationship broke. And... And I was in the midst of this season of things, and so I felt bad, and instead of going and, 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 and leaning in, I, I just left. And then I started drinking with my friends, and actually now I'm facing an addiction that I'm not sure how to break, and would you pray for me? I'm like, this, I'm just ordering the chicken, man. And yet, I think that's true for a lot of us. We, we lean into faith when things are good, and then when they start breaking away, they, we pull away because the roots aren't deep enough. Jesus told a parable, a story about something like this. He, he said that there was a farmer that sowed a bunch of seed and that some of the seed landed on the thorny areas, and, and so as they grew, the thorns were also there, and it and it chokes out faith by worries and cares of this life. There's another area that's shallow, and so anytime trouble or persecution came, they wither away. And I think there's a lot of times where that's true of our faith as well. We face bad times, and so we wither away, and we get choked out of the type of life that God has for us. And so I know people that are suffering with migraines, and sometimes we think, I got the migraines and God doesn't love me. Or I got rejected from grad school. God's not real. Or, uh, you know, we have a dear loved one that dies of cancer. And how can we trust God in the midst of all of this? Can I be honest with you? It's in those times, those low times, where the roots of faith get to grow deep. Jesus said, in this world, we will have troubles. But in me, we will have peace. I was doing um, a funeral in Fort Worth, and um, I realized that I don't know how to open a funeral, right? Like, I know how to open weddings. You say dearly beloved, you know, or beloved, depending on how you do English. Uh, I know how to open worship services, you know. You just kind of have a little fun and, you, and you, you, you jump in. But how do you open a funeral? And there was this phrase that was going around in churches 
Um, and, and maybe you've heard it, but the, someone up front says, God is good, and the church says, all the time. And so um, I thought, well, let's just start with that. In the midst of a funeral, stand up, and there's a lot of awkward silence because I'm not sure how to start it, and say, God is good. All across the room, just weeping, just weeping. But it wasn't weeping of sorrow. It was weeping knowing that in that moment of mourning and trouble, that God is with us. And I got to be honest with you, God is good, and God's goodness is more evident in my times of sorrow and frustration and trouble. God's goodness is more evident in the down times than in the up, and a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. In the hardest things that I have been through in my life, those are the times that I ended up closest to God. Can I tell you that the reason why this church is planted was because I went through a hard season where I got pretty much fired from a previous church because my ideas were too crazy. I mean, I wasn't fired, but, you know, I was told, hey, don't do anything anymore. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. And instead of asking the question of, well, I guess I'm not good enough to do these things, or, or instead of allowing um, the moments where I was, um, you ever get hate mail? No, you don't. You don't get hate mail. Well, basically, I got hate mail for like four hours of people berating things that I had nothing to do with, and it crushed my soul, but it was in those moments where the presence of God became more real, and instead of, of saying, well, I'll just quit fading away as a pastor, I knew that God was calling me to more, and out of those circumstances birthed a love for people that I knew was not my own. I'm not perfect, so please don't hear that. But I know instead of anger winning, something else won, and that's because God was present in the hardest moments of my life. So, Troubles, trials, and hardships prove your faith, but troubles, trials, and hardships also prepares you for purpose. If you want to grow, if you want to get stronger, if you want to be prepared, if you want to try to understand um, that the things that are happening are not just happening to you, that they're happening in you, I have a news flash for you. Ease and comfort never make you strong. I did a huge uh, body weight resistance workout this week, and can I just tell you that I complained to Holly for two days that my backside and my legs were sore. Who knew that leg day was that tough? I did not. Apparently, it exposed some things, but you don't get stronger by sitting on the couch and listening to Spotify or watching Netflix, even though that's highly enjoyable, right? What you get stronger from is resistance of pushing yourself. When you're holding the weight, the higher the weight, the stronger you're supposed to get. Isn't that the case? And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering, just, just read this from a different lens. The early church um, had there's this letter by, by a man named James, and he says this 
in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let the perseverance finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. I don't know about you, but I don't often consider working out of any kind, be it mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, pure joy. I don't really consider resistance pure joy. And yet what I know is I am stronger and better because of the resistance, because of the things that we face. And so if you are in the midst of it and you don't see the point, don't be discouraged and don't be overwhelmed and don't let your fear win because I want to just ask you this question. Could it be that God's preparation sometimes comes packaged as pain? I'm not saying that God is causing the pain. Please don't hear that. But in the midst of the pain, what if God could be using all things to work together for good? And what if in the midst of the pain, God might be preparing us for something? Here's how I know maybe this might be true. When I look at the stories in Scripture, and you may not know these stories, there's a story of a man named Joseph in the Old Testament. He had this crazy, radical, technicolor dream coat. And um, think about this. He saved a nation. But to get to the point where he saved a nation, he was rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery, wrongly accused of a crime he didn't commit. Are you kidding me? We would say, that's not such a great set of circumstances. And yet, through all of those things and even his time in prison, God was using those moments of pain and rejection and what he thought was his broken story for something amazing to be redemptive for all people. Or, you know... When David defeats Goliath, right, and and he throws the rock and knocks the giant down, we learn that he spent time as a shepherd, the lowest of all lows, fighting lions and bears. And in the midst of being put at the bottom of the barrel of his family, God was preparing him for the heights of what would come when he eventually became the greatest warrior in the kingdom I wonder if we look back at this Peter who wrote that promise earlier, follower of Jesus, he eventually becomes kind of the, the leader of the disciples, and he preaches what's arguably the best sermon of all time where 3,000 people come to follow Christ in one day on the day of Pentecost. And I just got to wonder, at what point Peter's faith became emboldened because he denied Jesus publicly three times, because he was a complete and utter failure otherwise. Can I just tell you, in my life, the places that I am strongest now are because of the dark moments that preceded them. I did not um, and do not say that compliments and praise prepare me My guess is we all like compliments and praise. We all like those good moments. Trust me, I love it when my mom would say, good job. I am so proud of you. 
And it reminded me that no matter what I did, she was proud of me and the person I was becoming. But the reason why she said there will be days is so that she understood and I needed to learn that through those tough moments of life, that was when I truly grew. And so the praise that happened was as a result of the response to darkness. My mom would often share, trials don't weaken your faith. They make you stronger. So in response to the things that we face, um, I'm going to just, something really practical for a second. Could you just tell yourself, um, it's not just pain, it's preparation. Everybody say that. It's not just pain, it's preparation. It's not just pain, it's preparation. You weren't turned down, you were toughened up. And so that offense that hit you, it's purifying your heart. That sense of loneliness that maybe you're in is teaching you to trust God like never before. The betrayal that, that rocked your world is expanding your capacity to love and forgive. And the setback that you got is a setup for God to show up and show off when you and I are wrecked with pain. With pain. I want to promise you this. There is purpose in your pain because God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a hurt. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the sorrow, on the other side, we're promised a joy that cannot be taken away. And so I promise you that God never wastes a hurt in the, in the process of the healing. He is producing something in you that will change your life and make you more like Christ. And you may say, that's all well and good for you, Pastor Todd, but you don't know what I'm going through. And it's easy for you. You're a pastor. You must be close to God. <laughs> all I know is this. Jesus contrasts these two things. He says, in the world, you'll have trouble. In the world, relationships are ending. There's divorce. There's cancer. There's, there's children that are on drugs. There's abuse. There's, there's the relenting and pounding idea of bankruptcy. There's all sorts of troubles. But in me, in me, in Christ, you have peace. Listen to what he says. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. See, you may not know the joy that Jesus promised, but if you are found in Christ, which simply means if you choose for your heart to believe in Jesus, everyone born of God Colin, when you came up out of the waters from baptism a few weeks ago, that's a statement that you are found and born of God. Listen to the promise. Overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In this world, you will have trouble. 
John 16, 33. But take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. The good news for us this morning, and I think the good news that my mom continued to pound into my life, is not that being a part of our family would take away all of our problems and pain. It wasn't even that Jesus saves us from our pain. There's some of that going around where we think we just become Christian and life is (laughs) hunky-dory. Nothing blue skies. Not true. The good news isn't that Jesus saves us from our pain. The good news is that Jesus saves us from our sins. And he uses the darkness and pain to be healed and restorative and to bring light into places that need it my mom would often say to me I don't know how people without Christ get through but you, you my son you have Christ guys we can be hurting I can be hurting and smiling and preaching with all the faith in the world believing that God can do something only because the roots have gone deep. It's not me. It's Christ in me. I'll be the first to tell you that if it was up to me, I would not have said what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have bad days. That's what my mama said. You will have letdowns, but if you have Christ, you have overcome the world. This is kind of a heavy message for a Mother's Day, but it's very hopeful for me. It's very hopeful for me. Because my mom said, you'll have bad days, but you have Christ. And so I say to you, my Wayfinders brothers and sisters, my church, my community, my family. We will have bad days, but we have Christ. Could you bow your heads with me for a second? I don't know what it is you're facing. Maybe your mama bear heart is hurting. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe you're carrying a a health problem or a relationship challenge or a fiscal challenge or a whatever. I could keep going down the list. And I want you to know that even though that may be heavy, even though that may be big, even though that may be a very real trouble, Hear the words of Jesus to you. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. I'm not going to tell you that saying a simple prayer will fix the problem. But I do know that when I start praying into my problems, I invite the 
presence of Jesus to turn the pain that I am experiencing into healing and to open my eyes for what God is preparing me for and allow the the brokenness and the problems to make me stronger. So if you're facing something this morning that is a problem and you'd like to just invite Christ into those moments, into those troubles, into those bad days, if you'd like to just invite the presence of God into that, would you just, as a declaration, just put your hand up. Nobody looking around. You say, yeah, I want to invite God into that challenge. I want to invite God into that moment. I want to invite God into that pain. God, across the room, we have declared by show of hands, by bowed heads and hearts, that though in this world we will have trouble, you have overcome it. And so we invite your spirit to begin shaping our pain, to begin restoring our pain and opening our eyes for what will be on the other side. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I got to tell you guys, I'm really thankful for my mom because I think her pounding into me, yeah, you're going to have some days. You're going to have some days you don't love. You have Christ. You have Christ. I didn't know what that meant. But I do know that it's in those dark moments where instead of staying shallow, instead of being superficial, my roots began to grow deep and my faith began to be my own and my heart began to be transformed. And so don't allow the trouble to be wasted. Let's stand. I want to send you on a high note this Mother's Day. May you come to know the unrelenting faith and goodness and consistency that mothers teach us about the relentless love of God. May you come to know that in the darkest moments of what you face, just like you can probably call your mom, you have a heavenly father, even if you can't call your mom. You have a heavenly father that says, take heart. I am with you. And may you, my wayfinders, brothers and sisters, be a people who are prepared, whose faith is deep, and who flips the world upside down because you can overcome anything. Much love, my friends. Have a great, great and blessed week.